0: For Christmas, my best friend made me a shirt that said librarian at the vampire mansion. <laughs> and a separate friend made me a shirt that says pool boy at the vampire mansion. So Incredible. I'm both the pool boy and the librarian at the vampire mansion.
1: <laughs> I was just laughing because cause you and you and Jay got your home states and I got Ireland.
0: <laughs> That's because me and Justin live in stupid states. <laughs>
2: Well, I was, I I grabbed the Ireland one first because I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I bet we don't have a whole lot of Irish listeners. So I thought, oh, let's throw that in there. And then the Texas ones I've been meaning to read anyway. So I was like, okay, let me grab a couple of those. Because I uh, the the court case I'm gonna talk about that I was just taking notes for. I should have read the whole thing. There's a the reporting on it was bad. So it's kind of my takeaway for this episode is we can't really trust the reporting on these things. We've really got to go read the cases ourselves because the reporters not only don't understand the legal issues at hand, they also don't understand the libraries. And so it leads to like really misleading and like they, they miss like the funniest parts of the story too. So yeah. And then I don't know, I just searched like libraries in New Hampshire and it's like, oh yeah, they're in a a little bit of an earlier stage it seems of uh, the conflation between any kind of sexuality and pornography they're still like no it's porn is defined in the way we know how to define porn like prurient interests is the main point um so oh, they're yeah, still we'll focusing on it. that yeah but i didn't read it as in depth as you did so yeah
0: fourth time in like two months that i've woken up and i've been able to take a shower because my hot water wasn't working so i've been just like a grimy rat boy like going to work with my hair and I look the most mask I've ever looked in my life. And it makes me so mad that when I'm like a gross little gremlin that I look really hot, I'm like, fuck, is this just what masculinity is as being a gross little pervert?
2: No, this <laughs> is, is like, cause <laughs> growing up as a CIS dude, CIS women will always be like, why is your skin so nice? You don't do anything for it. Why is your hair so nice? You don't do anything for it. And I, I don't do anything for secret. my hair. <laughs> Is to not only, do anything for it. I only wash my hair twice a week,
0: anyway. Although I do get a face wash, you get like yeah. some serape. Yeah, I wash my hair twice a week.
1: I'm I'm so jealous of you who don't have skin problems.
2: If you don't I wash do. your face, I just don't do anything about it.
0: Oh, I, I I'm on Accutane, and I started that like or, or like right around the time I started tea. So I did not get tea acne.
1: Ooh, mm-hmm.
0: that's the secret, kids put up with doing a pregnancy test every month and get on some fucking Accutane. I can recommend you the chapstick to get so that your lips don't fall off and you'll be fine (laughs) from there. you will be beautiful forever. Trust me. I'm a fucking vampire now. No one knows how old I
2: am. I'm beautiful and perfect. Like the sun.
0: Yeah, Good to know. is hair
2: acne is hair acne more common uh, among men? Because I feel like a lot of dudes get hair acne, and like really, it when, it's really bad in my beard sometimes. Like if I
0: haven't shaved in a while, I'll like,
2: to, it looks like an infection kind of acne. Yeah. Um, it, you get it from cutting your hair too short too often.
0: I I with my little Oscar Wilde
2: hair do not have that problem. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Basically, the treat it is like acne treatments. So you got to put like acne treatments in your hair. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've always had like really coarse, dense hair that is prone to ingrowns and stuff. So everywhere on my body. So that's nothing new.
1: This is now a skincare.
0: This is now we're 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 beauty gurus now.
2: You did see that thread about um, the guy who was like, I want to look. How do I dress sluttier? I want to look like, what was it he said, a, a stripper paying his way through grad school. And then this fashion guy is like, let me take a shot at it. And he, and then he like posted stuff. So I, I bought a couple shirts. shirts. Uh, send me them. I sent you the. I sent is this you the, the, five it's in the, inch,
1: the five inch no. shorts? <laughs> the, the five inch inseam?
2: Yeah, he mentions five inch shorts. And yeah, five inch shorts go down to almost my knees. They're supposed to stop like mid thigh. but I have very short legs. I've gotta get short I've gotta I gotta get to them shorter. I gotta get I've got library to get like hot pants. library
0: punk is going into its slut era. It's gonna be hot girl summer in library punk.
1: Yeah. Just buy some some goodweld jeans and give yourself cutoffs.
0: Do a bunch of squats oh, so your yeah. ass gets fat, you know. Black lagoon
2: cutoff. All right, let's go. I'm Justin. I'm Skullcom Librarian. My pronouns are he, him.
1: I'm Sadie. I work IT at a public library, and my pronouns are they, them.
0: And I'm Jay. I'm a music library director, and my pronouns are he, him. And Arthur's here. Say hi, Arthur. (laughs) Arthur says hi. You drinking PBR too, Justin?
2: No, I got a Diet Dr. B. Oh,
0: I've got a 24-ounce. The PBR, baby. I have horchata from my local
1: taco truck.
0: Oh, nice. And I had some apple pie for dessert. I don't normally do dessert, but I've been showing a, fr- a librarian friend of mine who we are going to get on the show eventually, uh, Twin Peaks. And um, we were being ha- having fun with it, and she brought over some pie and, and then coffee for herself while we watched Twin Peaks. So it was fun.
2: So we're doing a news roundup, current events. Do I have a... It's a little more dramatic, but we're just uh, going to look through the news and what's all going on, because there's a lot of it to choose from. And it's an easy episode to build. We don't need a guess for it. It's
1: also an incredibly depressing episode to build, but.
2: Yeah. True. So uh, let's see. We've got a J update. That is one
0: gay ass
2: skeleton. Hey, girl. Hey. How does that sound like me? It is really unnerving when you hear someone who sounds like you. It's so weird because that's not me, but it sounds like me.
0: Anywho, last episode when we talked about the Internet Archive bullshit, I mentioned that I was going to go to the Fenway Library Organization's uh, Controlled Digital Lending Community of Interest meeting since my library is part of said uh, organization. And that was today. Sort of some updates from that, at least around like Uh, And I've linked the minutes, which are publicly available in the notes, um, that also mentions like what libraries were there. Um, Again, this is all public information. I'm not like doxing anything. And sort of the reactions and updates about the case and the implications for doing CDL, Within academic libraries, at at least, because that's who I think is primarily in the Fenway Library Organization was we pointed out that like, section 108 wasn't mentioned in the case and in the white paper. And so we can use section 108 to our advantage, right? We pointed out that the scope of the audience for what we would be doing a cdl even as a consortium is different than what uh, internet archive and open libraries was doing since ours would be limited by either like you know taxpayer patrons or like tuition or staff you know employee patrons right it's like a different like there's a limited audience for cdl but also like terminology is the term CDL kind of too poisoned now because it's so associated with internet archive and and do we just pivot to kind of doing like quote digital reserves and and shit like that, you know, being intentional with our language and then making sure that people, when they are doing any sort of CDL, that they have a policy, like don't just do it, like have a policy that says what the scope is and explains what exactly is being done and why is it being done more sort of some, some key takeaways. Uh, and then some questions that came up were like just pursuing quote CDL limit our scope. Do we have to limit how far we can make these materials accessible this way? And then what about like across libraries? Like what about like within consortiums or like in an interlibrary loan style? Cause like think about with interlibrary loan we already scan or slash send pdfs of entire journal articles and book chapters to people without drm and they can just keep them forever right and so like this is something that we already kind of do to some extent and then who is going to be challenged next like are we just quote like do we just not have to be worried we're small you know small fish like it doesn't matter who then do we think is going to be challenged like next do you think do we think they'll go after like a big library or maybe something like the Boston Library Consortium, who has been very open about doing CDL and stuff. And I know um, Kyle's been working with the BLC a lot with their CDL. And in the minutes are some some links, including at the end, a presentation that was done at Code for Lib around uh, CDL. Um, And then just sort of talking about this one software called Reshare that's been sort of floating around as maybe like something that can be used to do quote CDL like within a library and also across institutions. But the main thing was just sort of like making sure you have a policy and being very intentional about that. And then also being intentional with language. Like do we scrap the terminology CDL and do quote digital reserves wink so that it doesn't attract attention. The 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 thing was we're gonna keep doing it. It didn't scare us off was the thing and I think is the important thing was that this group of librarians from different academic libraries in Boston of all different scopes and sizes um, even those of us who weren't even doing it yet agreed that like this wasn't any reason to not pursue doing it we just have to be intentional about what we're doing and and make sure we have written up policies that explain what we're doing and how it's different than what the internet archive was doing right so I think that's hopeful and that it wasn't, it, it didn't scare us off you know, and not just me. Like everyone else in this meeting was like, yeah, we're still doing it. <laughs> we think it's fine. We, we agree that what we're doing is different and maybe just call things digital reserves and like, no one's going to give a shit. So
1: protection through obscurity.
0: Yeah, if everybody basically a slightly different
1: what, term for the same thing.
0: And like what we said last week, like they're not going to sue libraries. They're going to go after, you know, and they've already gone after HathiTrust Trust, right? You know, they're going to sue these companies or maybe a big library system. But again, I doubt it. So I just, I, I know a lot of people have been worried that like this would scare us all off from doing it. And I just, I thought it was a good sign that even in the immediate wake, we were like, nah, <laughs> this this doesn't really pertain to anything we as like academic libraries at least
2: are, are doing it'll definitely scare off some people you just won't hear from them it'll be like yeah a small university with like a librarian who wanted to do cdl and then their director will be like didn't they lose that case and then the, you know they, they right. might not have a good community so i actually had my meeting with all of the skullcon people in my system, and we talked about it. Or actually, they brought it up. I didn't bring it up. And the 108 thing did come up, but one of the librarians was skeptical that it would actually help. Um, and this is the person who maintains the big copyright crash course. So, no. so um, I was like, oh, I don't know, but I mean, yeah, I, I still want to talk to a lawyer about like why or are, why aren't why isn't 108 happening? But yeah, that's a different episode.
0: But yeah, I think that's a good update considering we're about to be a, a fucking bummer with the rest of this episode.
2: <laughs> yeah. So first up, Ireland. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. sadie has got this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So from the articles I read, the the thing that kind of slapped me across the face was uh, one library staff member who said, one library staff member said, it's like I went to bed in Dublin and woke up in Florida. <laughs> which was just like, ouch, and also like, I'm sorry. Uh, but from what I was reading, it sounds like the same bullshit that right-wingers are pulling here, where they've got Mom for Liberty groups, actually, let me find the name of these groups, who are going into public libraries, specifically this is public libraries, and reporting books as violating the Children First Act, which I'll get into this because I ended up reading a whole bunch about it. Groups by the name of the Irish Education Alliance, Parents' Rights Alliance, and Lawyers for Justice claim these books and others violate child protection legislation. They advised followers to enter public libraries, ask librarians to show them LGBTQ plus books in the age 12 to 17 section, and take photos of relevant books with inappropriate reading materials, which violate the Children First Act.
0: So Lee Edelman has entered the chat.
1: <sighs> well, and the thing that gets me about this though, is like f- from my reading, it sounds like Irish public libraries kind of fall under the federal government. They have the local government management agency, which says it manages the public libraries, seem to have a policy and seem to have a long-standing policy that people under 18 are, like, restrained to particular categories of books, hence the aged 12 to 17 section, Mm. and have to get parental consent to read beyond those categories.
0: Oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah. So, like, it's it's the kind of thing that people in the U.S. are, like, trying to get in place. So it's Mm. already there, and they're not satisfied with it. So, like, if any... If any of those respectability politics people out there think that actually acquisitioning or, you know, capitulating to some of these demands will actually like satisfy them. You you is, it's not, it's not going to.
0: No, the, the, the point is they slowly tear it all down bit by bit. You give them an inch and then they ask for another and another and another, but they, it's over time. So you don't notice that that's what's happening until it's already Yeah.
1: Well, and the one article that I was reading, it'll be linked in the notes actually talked about how this the child membership with the signed consent from a parent to read outside of certain categories has apparently prompted disquiet among staff in some libraries who argue that the move is restricting young people's choice of books and is a response to recent protests by thought police campaigners. So the local government management agency says that this has always been the case, and their new uh, library management system now has functionality to reaffirm consent in line with age categories. So they say this has been in, been in place for a long time. Librarians are saying saying this is capitulation to the stupid right wing groups, and and the right wing groups are you know being themselves. So I think it's interesting because it's it's not just that these right wing groups are throwing a hissy fit, but at the same time it sounds like they used, they upgraded their IT system. It further restricts, it, yeah, further restricts this sort of thing that I guess that libraries probably weren't actually following because at least one staff member in this article says that they're no, They're not going to follow that category restriction. So it sounds like they haven't. And it sounds like it's a technological stopgap to prevent people from being able to like skip over whether like the parental categories. But one thing, if a child signs up for a library card who is under 18 but over 12, they still get placed under the under 12 category without parental consent.
0: Oh, that's so stupid. So
1: if a 15-year-old comes in and gets a library card without parental consent, they can only check out books in the under 12 category.
0: Which like say one, it's like after school, but their parents work late or something. And that's the only time they can get to come to the library just because maybe their parents like just don't want to have the time to be there at the same time as them.
1: Yeah. And like, I didn't say how like, it's like assigned parental consent. So it sounds like they can oh. probably get like a permission slip. But at Still. the same time, it's like one staff member says, imagine the indignity of being a teenager having to choose books from the child section. It's like, you don't even get, you don't even get to pick out what's Known to be in your age and maturity range. Yeah. Which is like so stupid. So it sounds like there are some weird, weird restrictions to the Irish public library system already. And then there's these right wingers come in who want even more restrictions
0: done on it. I mean, that feels like a, a trend in general lately of like if you are under 18, you're a child. Like,
1: yeah, like we will not recognize that there are different maturity levels under the age of 18.
0: You're, you're, you're a child. All children. And when you t- when you turn 18, you magically turn into adult, except not anymore now if you have teen in front of your age or child. You know, like, yeah, it's like this, like, and just making it, the infant, infantilizing- Everything and then, so you can't make your own decisions if you're infantilized.
1: Yeah, it's like yeah. you're not you're not allowed to develop the maturity you're supposedly need to have by the time you're eighteen. So when you're eighteen and you're trying to develop this maturity that you've been denied, suddenly it's like, oh well, look at all these eighteen year olds; they're not mature enough to handle this stuff. I was like, well, yeah. why the fuck was that?
0: Yeah, um, that's that's the point.
1: But the thing, the thing that I kind of dove into with these articles was this this children first act. Because I, from just like trying to find just a general like overview of it, it it has very little to do with the actual situation. The child protect, uh, child first act is about mandatory reporting and the processes the government takes when it comes to reported child abuse. So it like defines the different kinds of child abuse. It, it has like a whole big guide for like social workers for the government and like h- what they do and like flow charts on like how they assess this kind of stuff. And there's one tiny little section that basically says, if you are in an organization that serves ch- like serves children in any of these ways, you need to have a child safeguarding statement and you need to have done a re- risk assessment of how your services could bring harm to a child. And then from that, you need to have a child safeguarding statement and you need to know like what risks your service could possibly like have in regards to harming a child and have basically a policy to address that. So unless, you know, Irish libraries, public libraries have their thumb up their ass, they should already have a policy that they could turn around and tell these right-wing groups like, no, no. Like when it comes to the child first act, children first act, we've already covered all of our bases. I can't imagine that they wouldn't because they're overseen by a government, uh, like a government organization. Right. So it's just one of those like groomers. Again, groomers use sexually explicit content to groom children for abuse. Therefore, these books that are you know about sexuality and gender, therefore can be used to do this. It's that conflation of sexuality with pornography on top of the whole like grooming rhetoric that actually makes no sense.
0: If something can be used as a weapon, it will, and so you should remove it. Yeah.
1: Know. And like and then twist it on top of this legal oh, and they, they say that the the UN's rights of a child is also being violated by having these books in a public library. So so even the their legal basis here is just so it's so whack and transparent and yeah so i just i i ended up reading a whole bunch about the children
0: first act and i think we need to do an episode on the the book no future uh by lee edelman <laughs> aka fuck them kids the book it's about the uh, the s- s- queer death drive or something it's basically about like the rhetorical weaponization of like save the children mm. kind of it talks about that a lot yeah fuck them kids the book <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting because like the second you start to dive beneath any of these claims, these groups are saying it, it becomes very apparent how how very little they understand their own argument, but how much that doesn't matter because it is a think about the children argument, which apparently obliterates. Most adults like actual critical thinking
0: skills, and also pointing out hypocrisy is like never done anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't give a shit that they're hi- hypocrites. So, but yeah, so I don't really have a conclusion for this. I was just reading about it when I should have been working. If any of my coworkers listen to this, <laughs> I uh, just just know it was at least library related. Yeah, I think it's. I don't actually know shit about the government of Ireland, so this was kind of. The first thing i have really delved into there but like i think it's interesting to see how it compares to the american public library system and how how cookie cutter the tactics are even when it's like a completely different like system like their l- public libraries run probably a very differently than american libraries do but they're using the same exact tactics so that's that's the bad news that's the bad news partner like we're gonna take <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a law that's about, you know, social work and how, you know, the government is is going to deal with cases of Ooh. child abuse. And we're going to make it about LGBTQ books in an, an age-appropriate section of a public library. It's just, it's such yeah. a waste of time and energy.
2: I think it's going to line up well with actually Jay's section too, which is like this whole, if you work with children, you have to be like... The government can tell you then how to deprive children of the rights to know things in the name of children's safety. Yeah. I mean, there just need to be positive rights for children to like you have a right to use your library and you have a right to learn things that your parents can't control and stuff like that.
1: Well, and the funny thing is that it sounds like the Children's Children First Act was actually or at least some of the laws in Ireland were going that direction in that, like, children aren't just facets of their parents, they have their own individual rights and stuff. And so there's been a series of laws that have come out in Ireland that have been trying to affirm that and the Children First Act was one of them. And yeah.
0: So I mean, we need like a like a legitimate, like Marxist feminist, like, analysis of the way that we treat and the way that we analyze these like laws and stuff around kids coming out because like when like through like a Marxist lens, like the way that the dominantly like, capitalist society views children and like it's like all part of like reproductive labor and that like cis women exist to reproduce, to produce more people in the workforce. And so children are just like a tool of capital that your future like workers like to get more money right and you have to like indoctrinate them in the correct way
2: i mean like feminism feminist theory has really already covered this you don't even have to pull in marxism too much but like all the things that applied to women under coverture laws you could say you know the liberation of women you can have the same liberation of children that children can vote and children can have rights to know things, and children are not the property of their parents and children have legal rights uh seriously wrong did a good series of episodes about the rights of children how children how how society treats children. I kind of want to have them on again just to talk about yeah, I would love that the right to read as like a positive movement, but I think quite honestly like. Maybe not in the near future, but I think that is kind of like the last area of coverture that will have to go away. It's just too in conflict with human rights of children, but it could be 10 years from now. It could be 100 years from now. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be on enough people's maps, and it should be. Maybe this will help. Maybe maybe all this, like, save the children in library shit will, you know, you could get a law passed that, like, children have the right to read. I don't know. That's a start. Texas updates. (laughs) It's my Texas drop. I can't find any of my drops tonight. I'm, like, I'm not like just guns and Joe Biden for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Women hold up half the world. There was a ban on books. Books are just removed from a, a county in Texas, which is, I don't actually know how to pronounce it because everything has a weird pronunciation. Uh, Yano County, L-L-A-N-O. Um, but I assume it's probably pronounced like Lano because um, that's everything. The vowels shift upwards in Texas versions of Spanish words. So basically what happened was their library board got taken over by like this parental rights group which I think there were like four new members, uh, a group of new library board members demanding books such as In the Night Kitchen by Maurice Sendak and It's Perfectly Normal by Robbie H. Paris were to re- be removed in July 2021 prior to their appointment to the new library board. Um, Rochelle Wells, Rhonda Schneider, Gay Baskin, and Bonnie Wallace were part of a community group pushing for the removal of children's books. So like it seems like all four of them got in just to do this. According to board members, the books were removed because they encouraged child grooming and depicted cartoon nudity. And from the actual ruling, the reporters should have mentioned this, because the books that they said were grooming were children's picture books, the butt and fart books, which <laughs> depict bodily functions in a humorous manner in a cartoon format because they were believed these books because they believed these books were obscene and promoted grooming behavior.
1: Uh, like in the night kitchen, isn't it just like a cartoon of a, of a little boy running naked through something and like you just see from behind, like it's not even, like I don't the know how could,
0: has baby butts in.
1: Yeah. It, um. Like how can you call that nudity? Like how can you, how can you even use that for grooming purposes? Like I just, yeah. I've heard of people with the it having problems with in the night kitchen, and it just baffles me every
2: time. As part of the new library board, members had control of approval of purchasing of content. The county librarian is also being sued, and I can't tell how com- like complacent this uh, director is. The person's name is Milam. I don't know their first name because once I realized that the the news story I was working off of wasn't good, I had to download like the twenty six page like actual ruling, and I didn't have enough time to do that. To get through it all. But um, the director said um, it was basically like getting lists from these people saying um, these are the books we don't like. And there are communications in the court record with several librarians and commissioners saying they see no problem with the books. So basically, two of these board members contacted Milam. To instruct her to remove the books from the shelves and from the emails, Milam said to pick her battles. So they were basically saying, don't fight back or they're going to make her life hard. Actually, I don't know Milam's gender either. Oh, no, it, it is in brackets her. Okay, that's where I got that. Seven patrons sued the county judge and county commissioners for taking the books off the shelf and the county and that the county had ruled were inappropriate due to their messages and content within 24 hours of the issuance of this order defendants it's the library system shall return all print books that were removed because of their viewpoint or content including the following print books to the Yano County Libraries. And I thought, that's weird. Why is he saying print books? So this is before I I got into the the ruling. The judge dismissed the claim that the online books were to be put back in the catalog. This is where the reporter really fucked up. So what happened here was they were getting these, you know, they were reporting when they were pulling these print books, they were also saying we need to suppress them in overdrive. And they were talking about options to implement filters or other restrictions for books in Wallace's lists that were available through overdrive this was particularly they were concerned with lawn boy and genderqueer being in overdrive which the there's a typo and it says lawn bow uh in the in the decision But the reason that the judge didn't do that is because they is because the library system actually got rid of overdrive entirely. So he couldn't reinstate it because they would have to like go back through the process. And I guess I didn't get to the part of the ruling where the judge explains his his basis on this. But he's saying, um, you know, the plaintiffs have made a clear case showing they're likely to succeed in their viewpoint discrimination claim. The overdrive stuff just, I guess, doesn't matter because they switched to a different vendor. So they're using bibliotheca.
0: Our old friends, Bibliotheca.
2: Enemy of the pod. Enemy of the pod. But apparently these books are available through Bibliotheca as well, so it doesn't, you know, it's not actually going to cause a problem. So I think that was probably why the judge said it doesn't matter. Although libraries are, this part actually kind of uh, annoyed me. So the judge writes, although libraries are afforded great discretion for their selection and acquisition uh, decisions, the First First Amendment prohibits the removal of books from libraries based on either viewpoint or content discrimination. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, that sounds like an argument I have only heard people who aren't librarians or library aware make.
2: Yeah. Well, there wasn't any precedent that I could understand where he was saying this. Again, I didn't get the whole ruling, so maybe it's in there. But um, I mean, that's a really vague term, like viewpoint discrimination in terms of like library selection and weeding. Because like if you say because he he talked about the um, like the musty stuff and that's like irrelevant is one of the the parts of musty, which is like that's that is 100 percent subjective. We can't pretend this is not a subjective process. What we need to focus on is that these are subjective attacks on the right of queer people to exist in public and the right of minors to know about them. that's really at issue the first amendment just doesn't it's great it's a great triumph of liberalism but it's not doing anything here it's it might we might win this case you might lose it and be like no the first amendment doesn't actually protect collection development decisions
1: it's not doing the heavy lifting like kind of doesn't to be
2: honest like yeah because you can't buy every book so you have to discriminate on
0: you have to make a decision yeah
2: yeah, it's subjective. It's always going to be subjective and there's no other way around it. And that was kind of always been my argument is like the First Amendment has applied to like either doing leftism in terms of like anti-fascism, you need to you know stop fascists from organizing. So you need to be able to stop them from assembling. Like, yeah, that's, you know, you should be able to ban certain groups from using library spaces because you don't want them to assemble there. It's like if if a Nazi comes into your bar and you're nice to him, he brings his friends and brings his friends and suddenly you're a Nazi bar. It's that can happen at a lot. Library, you are now a Nazi library, right? It's where all the Nazis hang out.
1: It doesn't matter how many LA state, Ugh, so yeah, ALA I don't love the library.
2: <laughs> it doesn't matter
1: how many ALA's re- freedom to read statements you have hanging around. If there are Nazis in your library and they're not kicked out immediately, it doesn't fucking matter.
2: Yeah, and you've set precedent to allow them in when you should say, like, look, this is subjective, but like you can't be a Nazi here. Go away. Fuck off. But, you know, it can be is queer, and you can learn about queer people. Especially, you can learn about Nazis. Um, yes. You just don't get to like do Nazi shit in a library, right?
0: Like that's the difference. <laughs>
2: yeah, like bo- we we've, we've said before when we we're talking about this, like books. We- I don't think any of us believe books can hurt you, but but propaganda
0: can be a very uh,
2: effective, and you do need to like yeah. You know. Well, it's also just like. If you give people a place to do organizing on the ground, this was kind of my argument when we were talking about like our our book ban episode with um, our guest. Emily Knox. Emily Knox. This was kind of my argument that in the part that I was disagreeing with her on was, it's the Nazi bar thing. That's what I was thinking, is, like, if you allow your specific collection in a specific situation, like, the general liberal idea of live and let live is a pretty good one. It's one of the strengths of liberalism, right? It's worked pretty well at, like, protecting people's rights. I'm specifically talking about, like, you start buying Nazi shit, and you start buying Christian fundamentalist shit, and, like, we saw this when they defunded the library in, like, uh, some rural town. They're like, either it's going to be a Christian library, or uh, we're defunding funding it, right? And it's like this is it, this is the Nazi bar problem. Yeah. So that is why you should be throwing out Nazi books if they're being used to actually organize Nazis in your library specifically. Right. So that's I think that's where I've thought about this a lot over the past year, or so I think that's where I've finally come down.
1: I saw uh, like a, an interesting phrasing on Tumblr a couple of weeks ago that I've been kind of mulling over is the whole what the paradox of tolerance or whatever. Yes. And yeah. somebody said it, it, it works if like that only exists if you're thinking about it from a moral standpoint. If you're thinking about tolerance as a social contract, then yeah. it makes perfect sense to kick somebody out or, you know, not include somebody who's violating that social contract. So
0: You can't tolerate intolerance.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, changing, like, sort of shifting the thinking from, oh, this is morally bad to be intolerant to we have a certain level of tolerance because we all need to get along. Like, Yeah. And when you, yeah, when you're a Nazi bar, it doesn't matter how tolerant you are, you're a Nazi
2: bar. Pretty much exactly. I have another article that I didn't really get a whole bunch of time, but to go through but I remember I remember this Um, I don't know if this law is going to move forward but it's just a continuation of the depiction of sexuality with pornography. It's just, it is completely, that distinction has been erased in Texas legislation. So here's a quote. I don't care if it's Lonesome Dove, or uh, which is a Texas novel that would be removed under the proposed legislation. I don't care if it's Lonesome Dove or any other novel. If it has sexually explicit material, I would view that as an incredible win for the students of the state not to have that material in the library. And this is, I believe, specific specific to K-12 campuses. So it's not targeting public libraries because they're going for an easy target, which is the school libraries, right? Because mm-hmm. they're all children. It is also other bills to make it easier to charge librarians with crimes, which I believe Jay will get into. Crime time. Yeah. And uh, basically just, you know, if you're if you're an educator that you have more leeway under these things because you get to is your job to allow students to learn about sex and sexuality and and other things. And like you, you need leeway to do that because there are things that you should learn before you turn 18. Like Sadie said, (laughs) I didn't get my notes ready enough for this. There was a series of things happening in my real life that were distracting me from prepping for this. Episode. Speaking so, of which. <laughs> yeah. When it was, literally while we were recording, I had to loan my car to someone <laughs> because really? they were stranded yeah. outside my house.
1: <laughs> Jesus.
2: That's where I went. Just your air conditioner. <laughs> Although the listener may not have noticed that I was gone at all. But um, no, the people who were repairing the, the air conditioner, their truck um had a leak on brake fluid. Oh. so they they needed to go buy brake fluid and, and I was like, just take my car. It'll be faster. That's
0: funny. We can do an update on the next episode if you want to.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. Or we'll do another news roundup if we don't have a. Like, I think we'll do more of these. So, all right, that's it for me. Go ahead, Jay.
0: Is it live for your die time, baby?
2: Live for your don't.
0: Live for your don't. Yep. So, to preface this, I want to say that New Hampshire's real fucking weird. For those of you who aren't, like, aware, because, like, in, you know, we're the first primary, we vote blue federally, right? You know, our, our socialist brethren to the north, Vermont, our Massachusetts blue people to the south, you know, lots of blue federally. But then all of our state legislature and the way we tend to vote at the state, like, local level tends to be Republican. Like, we have a Republican governor, and we tend to not give funding to any public things, or like social good. And also we don't pay state income tax. And so that even contributes more to things, not getting money. So in New Hampshire, public goods tend to like not be funded well, or like at, you know, functionally at all. Like the university of New Hampshire has some of the highest tuition in the country, like proportionally because it's functionally a private school because it gets almost no money from the state. Even though it is the land grant, like public state institution of the universe, of the state of New Hampshire, right? I feel like that's important precedent for what is about to happen here. So this article called "Safety Measure or Book Banning Tool?" Question mark K okay, through twelve obscene materials bill sparks heated debate, which has been tabled. Um, so it's that means that in the New Hampshire, I believe is the house. Yeah, which the house has a bajillion people in, it in New Hampshire. It's one of the largest legislative bodies on the planet. Uh, fun fact, uh, you get paid $200 to do it. Um, And so it's all rich fucks or retired people. And that's also important to know because of who the voting demographic is in the the House of Representatives of New Hampshire for all these House bills that show up. Right. And it's like you hit a rock and you hit a representative of the House of New Hampshire. Like the districts are so small that there's like a million of them. And so enough voted that they didn't want to like vote on it right now. They're like, this can wait (laughs) until later. So all the Democrats tabled it. Um, and there's more Democrats in the, the House and the Republicans. So it's tabled for now. But what this bill does, so this is House Bill uh, 514. Uh, and you can go look at it. And basically what it would do is so I'm sure most states have these or even federally, but like New Hampshire obscenity laws, right? Um, under state law, content materials are obscene if their predominant appeal is quote, an interest in lewdness or lascivious thoughts <laughs> according to contemporary standards in each new Hampshire County, the content must also also depict or describe quote sexual conduct in a manner so explicit as to be patently offensive and to have no serious literary artistic, political or scientific value. So that is like the state of new Hampshire obscenity laws. And, uh, what bill was it? Well, there's part of the law gives exemptions. If you are like an educator Right, if you are like um, a school, a library, something like that, where you can teach these materials that might otherwise qualify as being obscene, right? Like like Justin just said. However, um, yeah, and this is uh, since nineteen seventy nine. Uh, educators and librarians uh, are protected. However, House Bill five one four would redefine this exemption. So right now it says, like, here I can pull up the exact language for, for us. Uh, right now it says, no recognized or established school, museum, public library, or governmental agency, nor any person acting as an employee or agent of such institution shall be arrested, etc. They are wanting to change it to say, to remove school, and instead of school, specifically limit it to just no recognized or established institution in the university system or community college system of New Hampshire museum, public library, or governmental agency. So basically K through 12 institutions, public schools, and the people who work at them would no longer be exempt from uh, obscenity laws. And um, providing quote obscene materials to minors, right? And so educators and librarians at those institutions could now, you know, face misdemeanors and stuff for this. And the change would mean employees would could be subjected to charges under the obscenity law, even if the materials in question had not been previously adjudicated by a state court. And I find this very sinister because, like, this is. Like we've been saying for a couple of episodes, this is like a step towards like redefining public schools and public libraries, all these public goods to the point where we get rid of them. And so everything's just private. Right. And so removing school to mean everything and just having it mean colleges, basically. And so K through 12 schools, things with children in them don't count anymore. That, yeah, that like, to me, that feels like the chipping away of public institutions, like schools and libraries, and the slow move towards like having private institutions there instead, like public libraries are still fine under these obscenity laws for now. And, yeah, we, like, just don't have public service and we don't fund them anyway. So I feel like this is a dangerous state for this kind of thing to happen in in the first place, since our support for public services is so small and dwindling to begin with. Remember, this is how the bears happen, right? We don't fucking pay for public shit in this state. And then bears come and they eat McDonald's out of the trash. (laughs) Like, do you want that to happen again? Like, no. Yeah, they graduate
1: from eating McDonald's out of your trash to eating your people out yeah, of Yeah, exactly. They're going to
0: eat the fucking kids this time. Is that what you want? Yeah. Right. Think
1: of the children.
0: And this this got proposed. Like, I love this article. I'm going to read the first paragraphs of this article because it's too good. It wasn't a physical school library book that sent Betsy Harrington into a state of alarm about high school reading material. It was an app. Harrington's son, a student at Hillsboro during high school, had found a book on Sora, an app that gives students in participating schools across uh, in schools access to thousands of eBooks to borrow on their own. The book, *The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School*, was a twenty twenty two National Book Award finalist, described as a quote sharply funny and moving debut novel about a queer Mexican American girl navigating Catholic school while falling in love and learning to celebrate her true self. But on the first page, Harrington's son discovered a number of swears and coarse language. Oh, he took screenshots. He was shocked. And he knew immediately that this was not for a school library, Harrington told lawmakers. <laughs> like, I thought that was
2: the funniest fucking thing in the world. Wait, the kid said that? I thought it was the, the mom who was saying that they were looking through the app.
0: Uh, the kid looked through the, through the app and took screenshots and stuff. Your kid's mom, fucking
2: lame. Yeah, yeah kid's are
0: fucking narc. <laughs> yeah, he Your took
1: screenshots.
0: He was shocked and he knew immediately that <laughs> what this a was a fucking novel. loser. Your kid sucks, Betsy Harrington. I hope he's listening to this. You suck, kid. And so, like, the this article in the New Hampshire Bulletin points out that, like, challenges like this have been happening forever, right? You get religious parents mad that kids are learning about dinosaurs, and they're like, hey, I don't want my kid to learn about dinosaurs. And so the kid has provided alternate material instead of learning about dinosaurs, but the rest of the kids can learn about dinosaurs, right? this happens all the fucking time and then eventually kids get homeschooled right but like obviously religious fundamentalists want to threaten again the public schools and public education and have us all not learning about dinosaurs because that goes against god's teachings right um but you know so far that hasn't been successful and it's kind of laughed at although i think maybe we should take those kinds of threats more seriously now but that you know this bill basically wouldn't just remove those obscenity exemptions from public schools um, and anyone who works at them, but also would make those institutions have to have policies about how to report materials. And that also the Department of Education and the Department of Health and Human Services could initiate challenges directly to the legislature and not just have that just be the power of the department of justice. And so, so this isn't just remove the exemption from, you know, public school teachers and librarians in public schools, but also that those institutions by a certain time period have to have policies for reporting These things to be removed from the school's blanket. So not just, oh, your kid, you don't want your kid reading this thing, but oh, get rid of this thing from the school entirely.
1: I'm assuming that this bill doesn't include a provision to like, you know, fund that effort of... (laughs) the uh, Human Services and Department of Education actually doing any of that?
0: Uh, I don't think so.
1: Because that would be my next question for New Hampshire is, okay, you want this to happen. How the fuck are you going to pay people to get it to happen?
0: Yeah, it's like all you got to report it to the fucking principal and stuff. It's all a bunch of just like time limits, basically. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. But what this sort of... This specific, like, looking at, oh, obscenity laws and removing exemptions for public schools and education. This actually is not, like, in New Hampshire a couple years ago, there was something called the colloquially known as the divisive concepts bill that actually got passed into law. It was a bunch of fucking word salad, and that I think now only applies to public schools, But because I used to work for a public university in the state of New Hampshire, like a state university, this applied to us as well. Uh, when it was still like a bill and we were all afraid of it, where basically school staff and public employees may not advocate that a person of one race, gender identity, sexual orientation, or other protected class is inherently superior to another. They may not teach that one group is inherently oppressive or prejudiced against another. They may not argue for different treatments based on a person's protected characteristics, and they may not uh, argue that people can't treat people of different characteristics equally. And people who do and are reported to do so can, you know, face human rights violations and shit. And basically this, it's one of those word salad fucking bills that like, it's like, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, you, you, you've believed your own ideology so much that you think this is actually what anti-racist work is about. And so you've accidentally written a law that's so stupid where I saw one professor who got like a letter about like, hey, is, are you teaching anything banned by this bill? and he said no because like let me look at the language and the language is like
0: are, like it actually are, protects are you inherently
2: like, racist no anthropologists don't believe you're inherently racist
0: <laughs> and it also it like there is a, a part in this law that protects like teaching about you know it, like te- teaching about something in the course of academic instruction especially regarding like historic events and stuff so like it does explicitly protect teaching slate about slavery and stuff but you know like you read it and you're like oh duh obviously this is already you know already kind of covered by six other laws uh <laughs> Um, but also like if you argue against it, it's like, oh, what do you want children to be taught bigotry? Why are you arguing against this? Right? It's like one of those that's like misguidedly uh, reactionary, but also very tactful. It knows exactly what it's doing. Like it knows that critical race theory and shit isn't actually what the fear mongering says it is, but that's not the point. It's the yeah. point to be framed that way—it's an entire bill about framing—and it ju- has just confused everyone. Every single article that I read about it was just public school teachers going like, "Am I allowed to give a positive grade to an essay that is pro affirmative action?" Yep.
2: Yeah, you yeah, are. You, are. you, you should. Th- th- that that you, professor was right. It's like you've written this law so stupidly that like no one believes these things. You—it's a straw man argument.
0: <laughs> exactly, and the Democrats actually literally like fucking yesterday or something proposed a bill that would um, repeal it. And I think it's tabled as well right now. Um, But it basically is just like a bill to just strike all of that language out that was added (laughs) Uh, a bill just to nullify because it's fucking stupid and it's just confused people. And so this is like, I feel like that bill and that law is like relevant to this obscenity thing that is happening right now and like how it is framing it's framing educators as hostile education is good those who educate are bad basically they're you know liberal indoctrinator groomers it's like it's teaching people both students and parents to be suspicious of people who teach their children that anyone that is not them that teaches their children is someone to be suspicious of and who to be hostile against, right? Like that is the kind of mindset that a lot of these bills are, are getting at. Educators are inherently, uh, suspicious, you know, they, they are, you know, the, the grooming rhetoric. Right. And another like rhetorical tool that's been used, um, For this current, for the proposed one about obscenity is, you know, a lot of people are rightly saying that this is just going to lead to book bans, right? And one of the representatives that's for it um, was like, oh, no, 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 this isn't about book banning. This is about a parent's right to, to control. It's about parental control. And my like that meme of the the goose chasing after the person going like state's right to do what motherfucker like (laughs) that meme I'm like parents right to do what motherfucker to ban books like that's (laughs) that's that's what this is a state's rights argument but about book banning and parent control right and I thought that was dumb and I thought this was so interesting especially that this article was about like an app. And, like, ebooks on an app because it's, like, in Massachusetts oh, – well, it wasn't just in Massachusetts, but I know ma- a lot of Massachusetts librarians were the ones talking about it – the Hoopla thing. Well, the fucking – what was it? Like, the pro-life and Nazi books that were in Hoopla. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. And we tried to get those out, and they stuck to their guns and protected it. But apparently books about, like, cool Mexican lesbians – uh, who are trying to get through high school? Um, apparently, that you know you can keep kids from reading that, but um, you got to pre- leave in the like pro life Nazi shit, right? Yeah. A bit, you know. I I think that was Massachusetts, though.
1: I think it's interesting <laughs> that that's Sora because yeah.
0: which I haven't heard of, but I'm not a public library person. It's it's Overdrive. Oh, is it?
1: Yeah, it's just Overdrive for for schools for school libraries in particular. So, I could see how it, like, if you start targeting that, then it'll sort of, I can can see how that can escalate to public libraries and apps and stuff. But it also makes me think of, was it New York Public Library or Brooklyn Public Library? Who was like, basically, like, if you're, if you're a teen who is a, like, who is physically on the ground in the US, you can have a card through us and access our. So, it's like, I wonder how much of the countermeasures of this kind of stuff is going to have to come from other states because like how do you stop how do you stop a New Hampshire kid from signing up for and getting a, a Brooklyn public Library card and right that, I think the apps work like functionally the same so yeah
0: and part of me wonders like so Y a is a marketing term right and YA is mainly written for 35 year old white women like literally I've had public friends who work in publishing. Say that what YA gets published and picked, at least in the mainstream, is ones that they know will appeal to an adult dem- demographic, right? But when does YA, as a marketing term, get like weaponized and sanitized? Like, because it's already pretty sanitized um, in the mainstream sense a lot of people like to say that it's more diverse than anything and that we would should replace everything with it and those people are stupid but like when does it get weaponized to be like oh this is what the teens are reading and all the book about books about mexican lesbians in catholic school are ya you know genderqueer is like ya or whatever like why don't we get rid of ya or or whatnot like when does this go all the way up to the fucking you know attacking a genre because of an age demographic, right? Yeah, <laughs> Justin.
1: <laughs> Parental rights for what? Every time I hear the phrase "parental rights" or like "parental control," I'm like, "control to do what, motherfuckers?" Like, I just, it's, it's just, yeah. it, it makes me instantly suspicious, just because, like,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. This bill has been referred to in some places as banning books, but that's not the intent of this bill. Uh, he said. Instead, he presented the bill as a means to provide parental control. Which,
1: which, like, that's <laughs> not the intention of the bill, but motherfucker, how is it actually going to get used?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Intention is an action.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the live free and think of the children uh, state, folks. Think of the children! That's New Hampshire right now, but then there's like a bear and a, 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 a poise no steppy tread like, flag. <laughs> <laughs> Shit's fucked. But maybe, hopefully, this will get repealed. The divisive concepts things will get repealed. And hopefully this stupid other bill will, like, stay tabled or not go through or won't get voted through. Because, again, it hasn't, this obscenity laws one has not been voted through yet. It is on the table and has been voted to be tabled. It's been proposed. It's been put forward. It has entered into like it has been in a, a meeting or whatever, but they haven't voted on it one way or the other. So it's not New actually,
1: Hampshire, where the yeah. bears are freer than the children.
0: Yeah, where I want the children to be able to go feral and eat toxoplasma out of McDonald's trash cans. <laughs> like that's freedom, baby. look for your day. You don't have to wear a seatbelt, and you shouldn't have to. <laughs> I'm kidding, kids. You should always wear a seatbelt. Yeah. Yes. I'd be Please dead a seatbelt. if they're out wow for seatbelts.
2: I love those news stories from archival footage from like the 70s and 80s that are like various like local interest stories about like they're banning drinking and driving. And they're like, Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do then. They just go around everyone being like, You can't tell me not to drink a six-pack in my car. And I watched one the other day that was about seatbelts and it was like uh, you can't tell me to to wear a seatbelt in my car.
0: Yeah, New Hampshire is just the don't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. Stay like literally. Apparently, like today, tomorrow they're probably going to like vote on like legalizing weed, though.
2: Nice. And
0: it'll, like, not like apparently, it matters
2: small yeah. state people, you can go any t- any of the other ones that I already have. Yeah, no, I can yeah.
0: go down to Massachusetts, like like a thirty minute drive and get it. Maine, you have to have a, a card to get it recreationally. Massachusetts, they don't give a fuck. But apparently, you have a recreational it's not, card. Well, so in Maine, it's, you can get it recreationally. It's fine or whatever. And I think you, but you have to, but in New Hampshire to get weed from Maine, you have to have a medical card. Uh, you don't have uh, to, to get it from Massachusetts though. But uh, apparently the question is not, are we going to legalize it? But how much do we tax it? <laughs> Jesus. None. You <laughs> live for your die. Pew, 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 pew.
2: All right. I'm hungry. I've got to go do stuff anyway. Any final thoughts?
0: Yeah. Get involved in your school boards and your library boards. Remember. Get involved in your school boards and your library bo- boards. I know that it sounds fucking lib as shit to say to do anything electoral or to get involved in your politics in any way. But local politics is where things actually matter and you get things done. So go do it, folks.
1: We're going to be beaten on that drum for a long time. Be
0: the change.
2: Yeah. And I mean, in Lano, it was like they took over the library board. Yeah, like the, exactly. A group of friends took over the library board, like four people who clearly knew each other. Uh, so go for it it. Get your D&D group. Yeah. Into, Get
0: your D&D group. Yeah. Just
1: role play some library and or school board members for a couple of rounds and then actually go out and fucking do it.
0: Genius. Sadie, you should be the president of the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if only fucking local kids. politics were as easy where <laughs> people were as enthusiastic about local politics as they were about like their wow guilds.
0: That w- that was. I hope we. I hope a lot of. I hope we have a lot of listeners who get who get uh insulted at you. <laughs> for saying that, no people. Like, <laughs>
1: organizing WoW guilds isn't easy either. I vote is exactly what they're going to say. I know that for a fact.
0: Mm-hmm. Fucking nerds. <laughs> okay. Good night. Good night. Good night.